Hello and welcome to episode 9.5 of NASHYCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. Now, this being a .5 episode, this is all about past mistakes, small bits of ephemera, and information about things that may interest you and you may just shake your head at. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we're here to fill you in just a little bit on some strange tidbits from around the Nashy world. Well, and also our world and just... Yeah. I don't know, Nashy fandom in general, I Mm -hmm. guess. The main reason for this is that after we did our episode, episode number eight, of uh, about Count Dracula's Great Love, a bit of information came to light. If you remember that episode, we discussed a few, well, questions that were in our minds. We were a little hard on it. We were a little little hard on the film, but the film did pose a few questions as you watch it. Yeah. Uh, One question that we both had was... uh, the fuck were they thinking? No, uh, not, 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 not what the fuck were they thinking. We, we did, we actually did pose that question. Yeah, think yeah of it. several but, times. But. More, than, more than once. But uh, one, of the, one of the questions we asked is, there's a, there, at, at a certain point, you have to wonder, because of the way they constructed certain things within the film, if they thought they were going to one day be creating a sequel to this film. Because in a way, it kind of sets up a sequel. Well, information has come to us since then that straight from Nashi's mouth, yes, apparently they were mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. of crafting a sequel to this movie. You and I, <laughs> you, you and I were marveling at the very concept of taking the coffin with his daughter <laughs> and, and dumping it into the river, uh, resurrecting her, putting flesh on her, very nice looking flesh, as a matter of fact, and then just casting her down the river. Uh, uh, I gotta say, it's it's really admirable the way that you are uh, not taking advantage to pat yourself on the back with this. I like the way you threw it oh, out as wow. like this uh, this royal we that no, it was you, buddy. You're the one who <laughs> I didn't think about that at all. You're the one who speculated on it being a, a sequel, and you nailed it. You nailed it. Well. I, I, I am you hit pretty the sta- damn You awesome. hit the stake, you I'm, hit the stake on cool. him with the mallet, so to speak. And, uh, congrats, I, sh- I shoved the wooden stake through the vampire's steaming heart. Yes. But as they say, a stopped clock is right twice, <laughs> twice, a, twice a, day a day at the very so, least. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hey, I'll make at least three or four more guesses in the very mm-hmm. near future that will yeah. all be horribly, mm-hmm. treacherously, god-awfully wrong. Mm-hmm. So, there you have it. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I, w- I wasn't going to, like, mm. single myself out. But, yeah, yeah, it just did really seem to me that the only reason to do mm. that, mm-hmm. as yeah. I stated at the time, it's a mm. coffin with a body in it buried in the ground, for God's <laughs> sake. So, yeah, and okay, no, it, 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 it appears there was a plan, a plan for a sequel, and apparently uh, there were even test shots done of Nashi for the Dracula sequel. The uh, idea apparently was um, the sequel to the film, would have centered on Dracula's daughter being resurrected. Apparently, now this is just, this is a possible, possible thing. Possibly she was going to be resurrected in modern times. Now, uh, we're hearing this secondhand, unfortunately, because all of this information comes from the uh, the commentary track that Nashi did for the uh, the German DVD, the Enolis uh, Company DVD for Hunchback of the Morgue. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, he talks about the rather interesting problems that came up that caused Hunchback of the Morgue to be filmed when it was. Now, when we uh, when we went through Count Dracula's Great Love, we made note of the fact that, of course, same director, same co-script writer, right. and uh, several of the same cast members. Yeah. So uh, that made us wonder about a few things about the film as well. Mm-hmm. And 
having read in his memoirs a lot of information about the problems that the film had, that Count Dracula's Great Love had getting made with uh, some accidents on set, uh, several actors, including almost every one of the actresses, getting sick at one time or another from a bad water water source that the the cast and crew were drinking from. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't put this information in his book, which is another one of those frustrating (laughs) things about Memoirs of the Wolfman. It's just... There's so many stories that you know are there to be told and yeah, to yeah. and to not put them into the book. The book that's going to be the one mm. that most people are going to be able to pick up and yeah. learn about mm. your career mm. and your life and to leave them out is just maddening. Yeah. But it also that seems to be kind of a common problem with some horror stars autobiographies in general, you know, is is a lot of times actors biographies. Get, well, actors in yeah, they don't yeah. necessarily you know, and of course, they're not coming to it from your, you know, I guess the reader's standpoint, not realizing how much, maybe they just don't think that this stuff is worth telling. They don't realize how much we're lusting for stories about these times and knowing these films. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe the actors in question do know that, but at the same time, they didn't pay as much attention to it. Mm-hmm. They were working. So right, they were yeah, concentrating right. on Good something point. that, yeah. you know, our, our perspective, the perspective we would like to have presented to us mm-hmm. would be a, a much more macro mm-hmm image of what was going on sure. during the production whereas their memories of it are much more micro where they're mm-hmm. you know they're they're tailored down to what's on the page in front of them and what they've got to come up with that day and how focused they need to be to get this thing done and mm-hmm. so in a way I can kind of understand it but then to be able to well let's put it this way what we discovered is that also in this uh, commentary track on Hunchback of the Morgue the uh, the long out of print German DVD mm-hmm. is that um, things got so bad with the illnesses on the set of Count Dracula's Great Love, that they shut production down completely Mm. to let everybody recover. And in that period of time, they had enough time and went off and made the entirety of Hunchback (laughs) of the Morgue. So there's another reason that Count Dracula's Great Love feels like such a cluster of a film. is because there's a reason it's a mess. They got roughly halfway done making the movie, and then had to stop. Yeah. Make a whole... Go <laughs> off somewhere. Make a whole other movie. Make uh, something else. Uh-huh. And then come back. And, so, yeah. I, I I think now some of the weaknesses of Count Dracula's Great Love become a little clearer. Well, that, it definitely makes you, you know, want to cut it a little bit of slack, you know, because it, it's certainly, certainly the, you know, the however much of a mess the story is, I have to say, knowing this information as we do, visually, I mean, I never got the sense of... There being uh, production shut down, come back to however many months later. I mean, yeah. it all ties together very well visually. The look of the film, you know, it's all consistent that way. You know, even if the story is is all over the place, you never get a sense of you know the fact they were able to put that back together and not lose that cohesiveness of of a well, visual storytelling. Not lose total not, cohesiveness. Not lose well, visual cohesiveness. Yeah, I guess yeah, in true. terms of you know in terms of the look, you know, the sets and the costumes and everything was just you know the mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. the actors, everything that way. It does continuity give me uh, wise work. It does give me a measure of uh, more of a measure of respect for the film mm-hmm. when you realize just how hard it had to have been to complete the thing. Yeah, uh, and what obviously a lot of people went through to get the thing done. Right. Therefore, I, I I do now have to kind of cut the film a little bit more slack, but uh, it's still a mess of a movie. Yeah. But it is still interesting to know and does drive me to want to go ahead and bump Hunchback of the Morgue up to within the next few months. Yeah, we will get to that one soon couple of other things I'd like to touch on. Um, one thing we're going to get to before uh, before things get too out of hand is that uh, for the first time, we're going to do a rather bizarre little thing is that we're going to have a giveaway. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. at the end of this brief little .5 episode. 
Uh, I have a spare copy of something, and I'm going to offer it up as a giveaway. So stay tuned at the end of the episode, and we'll, t- we'll tell you how you can get your hands on a free Nashi DVD. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, also, I believe we neglected to mention where that information about Count Dracula's Great Love, I mean, we know it came from the... Oh the, yeah, the, but but who is the person who sent that to us? Because we need to. Oh, thank I said that no, well. It, well it, or where it, you no, found no, that? No, I, fa- I found it on uh, the Paul Nashy forums, the section of the of the Laterna okay. forums. Okay. Uh, run by run by the great Mirik Lipinski. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> on yeah. uh, wow, I wonder if I'm masquering his name. Oh well. <laughs> uh, at any rate, um, the, the Paul Nashy forum there, when uh, a conversation got started about Count Dracula's great love, after we posted the podcast. And uh, when that information came out, I of course uh, I would like to implore anyone within my within the sound of my voice, if uh, you yeah. happen to have a copy of that out of print German DVD with the Nashi commentary track, it is my understanding that the commentary track is subtitled in English. And anyone who would like to send Troy and myself mm-hmm. a copy of said DVD for informational research purposes, please feel free. I think you could even write it on your tax, write it off as a you know, uh, some sort of donation in uh, your taxes, probably. So. There's got to be a way, surely. <laughs> yeah. There's must. There, there, there must be a way. <laughs> Please feel free to contact us at nashicast at gmail.com and tell us who we have to beg. Yes, who do we have to moita, as the Stooges would say. <laughs> <laughs> who do we got to kill? Okay, so now we have another uh, treat that we think you're going to enjoy for this mini Nashicast episode. Uh, one of the great things about doing podcasts is I think most anybody who does them will, will tell you is one of the great rewards is the people that you meet through doing it, the like-minded people, people who are into what you're into, and you can build really nice friendships through that and people to communicate with. And uh, uh, We've talked before about our friend Dan, who we jokingly call our man in the field, uh, you know, of course, because <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's always out there trying to, to scour some materials for us to use in our show, and you know, we'd like to eventually have an army in the field. Uh, well, that would so be nice. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, I have um, no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, Dan was in town here recently, and 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 agreed to talk to us about his experiences with how he uh, came to be a fan of Paul Nashi. And one of the things that's interesting about uh, what we're into is because, unlike something like say you know something like Star Wars or say Star Trek or something, generally, if somebody's going to tell the story about how I got into it, it's either going to be depending on what age they're going to be, it's going to be well I saw it in the theater, or it's going to be well my dad showed it to me, that sort of thing. Now, something about Paul Nashi that's so much more obscure is there's so many odd ways that people can come into it, and I think that. Our listeners are going to really find uh, Dan's experiences and how he came to be a Paul Nashie fan. It's a pretty, pretty fascinating story. So we appreciated Dan talking with us here, and so we hope you enjoy the interview. All right, so Dan, uh, tell, uh, tell us a little bit of, the, of your background. My background? Well, I was, I've lived in Ohio pretty much all my life. Yeah. Um, I was born in 1964. I had a father that was in plastics mm-hmm. in management, so we would move around a lot. Mm-hmm. Which means I'm very good at making friends because mm-hmm. I've I went to like eight schools growing up. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't make a lot of friends, but I'm really good at zeroing in on <laughs> on good friends. And my mom told me that back when I was a teenager. She mm-hmm. said, "Well, you know, Dan, you're mm-hmm. you know you are, I never have to worry about who you bring over because you know you you don't have a lot of friends, mm-hmm. but you always find the good the good guys." So. Cool. That's that's cool. It's always great to have parents that uh, you know that are open to your friends. Right. You know, people that that's always right. a great thing. I had a brother that was older than me. My brother actually was at Kent State mm-hmm. during the riots. Mm-hmm. Wow. And wow. Uh, so he's like my hippie brother. Mm-hmm. How, how much older than you is he? He was born in 50. Okay, so, so, so much, much older than Yeah, okay. so he's 60 right now. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the, he was like 15. I was more or less the accident <laughs> after my parents had already decided just to have one boy and one girl. But mm-hmm. 
but I, but I, but I was a monster kid, you know, for my whole life. You As were we all. <laughs> you know, and uh, probably one of the first things I can re- remember really liking, uh, my sister was really into Dark Shadows, being that she was a girl yeah, and it was a sure. soap opera. Mm-hmm. And whenever it was 4.30, 4 to 4, you know, depending on what year it was on, mm-hmm. they, they, they would change the time a little bit. But I'd, I'd always be ushered out into the kitchen to watch Mr. Rogers. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I had this, whenever you tell a kid he can't do something, there's that mystery about Naturally, it. Naturally, you know? definitely. Luckily, they, I had the Dark Shadows comic books, yeah, which yeah. were available through Gold Key. Uh-huh. So that was really my, my introduction to Dark Shadows was, was through that. And then um, one of the really sweet things my sister did, um, she had gotten the soundtrack album back for her birthday one day, one year when she was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, she saved it for me. Oh, great. Wow. So when I became of an age where she thought I could take care of the vinyl, mm-hmm. then she gave it to me. Nice, so I, nice. I still have it, too. Now I have to ask you, did you have the Dark Shadows game? Yes, I did. That had the, uh, the, the, the build, built the skeleton the fangs? Yeah, so yep, did I. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. One of the hard things, though, was, was my, my father... You know, being very religious and stuff, he always thought a lot of the things I did was kind of questionable. Right. My liking of monsters and, and oh my God, when, when I started liking Kiss and Alice Cooper, <laughs> you know. But me being creative, like I always did things like for Halloween, I was dressed up like Kiss, you know. Mm-hmm. I would start in like, you know, July, getting my costume ready. <laughs> I, had a, nice. I, had, I had a teacher that... Um, in shop class that made the wooden bottoms for the shoes and then mm-hmm. you know yeah. I had my mom make the vinyl upholstery to for the, for the boots and then mm-hmm. you know so but it was a big deal but my father many times you know I will have no devil worship in this house so it was and uh, and speaking of rock and roll I know there's some incriminating evidence out there that proves that you had uh, have uh, have been in some bands and uh, there's been uh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. photographic and audio evidence oh, that you've man. been a rocker been a rocker for a lot of your life yeah metalhead I uh, and it really all all started after high school because we had moved to Bryan, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that Bryan, even though it's a small town, there was a lot of musicians in Bryan, mm-hmm. and so I pretty much learned how to play in Bryan, and uh, was in a couple different bands, and um, was in a bar band, mm-hmm. and then also, but we did a lot of originals. And it it was a really great time to be in a band, too, for me, because of the kind of music I liked. The 80s was all heavy metal, Mm -hmm. I mean, as far Mm -hmm. as the underground. You wouldn't hear it on the radio, but as far as the the culture of the kids and everything, that it was all all metal, so, yeah. Is there other anything else you, before we get into the real meat and bones of the, your your Nashi experiences? I really, I really think, I really think that everything in my life centers around comic books, Mm -hmm. because... Almost everything that I've always liked always had some basis in comic books. Dark Shadows, Monsters, mm-hmm. you know, Transfer World of Comic Books. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s, mm-hmm. I was really big into Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, if somebody can look on my Facebook page, there's a whole thing about my arcade that I made. Oh, wow. I, I, have, I have the actual arcade boards in my, really? in my game room, yes. Wow. I built joysticks in the 90s. I was able to hack and make my gosh. make joysticks for the consoles. Man, that's fantastic. Take the take the circuit boards out of the hand controllers yeah. and <laughs> and buy the actual joystick parts to make mm. make joysticks. So yeah, that was a big thing. But again, mm. one of the creators of Mortal Kombat, John Tobias, worked in the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. Um, he mm-hmm. got started out drawing drawing, drawing for DC's Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. And so 
there was always that comic book element, you know. Mm-hmm. And even with Nashy, I mean, look, you know, here toward the end, you know, he finally got those comic books released. We're still waiting for that. I know, I'd best say we're all drooling. <laughs> we're all dying for those comic books. But yeah. now, do you still collect? Uh, are you still a comic collector? I mean, do you still keep up with what's going on comic books wise now? Getting or? back into it. I'm Turn, starting mm-hmm. to get back into it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what was your first? Uh, uh, where where did when did you first become Nashi aware? You know, when was your first exposure to Paul Nashi that you that you remember? Well, it almost it, it all kind of came around the the sad death of my wife. Yeah. Um, she died mm-hmm. in March of oh nine. Mm-hmm. March of oh nine, she passed away, mm-hmm. and um, I'd always been a big hammer nut. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Gulo, who runs the Christopher Lee, or Christopher, um, Peter Cushing, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the Peter Cushing Association right. on Facebook. Mm-hmm. He's written a book on Peter Cushing. Talking to him and going through a lot of the pictures, finding out about how Peter Cushing was married and loved his wife dearly and mm-hmm. how he never remarried after she died and how he was kind of just you know, wasting time until he could be with her again. Right. And so I kind of identified with him because Holly and I had a really close bond. Sure. So I was very... Uh, I became a lot closer to Christo, or to Peter Cushing after my wife died. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through, trying to collect any movie that Peter Cushing was ever in in his life. Right. And there was a... Tyburn, I think, was the film company. Right. Mm-hmm. Did, like, The Blood Beast Terror. Mm-hmm. There was another movie that they did called The Ghoul. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare to find on video. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, or, or DVD, either one. And there was a zombie four-pack, supposedly, that, this, mm-hmm. that I got used on uh, through Amazon Marketplace. And it was Horror Rises from the Tomb, The Ghoul, uh, The Flesh-Eating Zombies, which really was the third Templar movie. Right. The DeSario's Templar movie. And the, the last uh, movie, I can't really recall right now. But uh, anyway, so I got the four-pack, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched the Peter Christian movie, and it was great. And I started going through the other movies, and I was mm. like, uh, it was Horror Rises from the Tomb. And I was oh, like, wow, boy. this is weird. This is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I like it or not. And mm-hmm. I watched the whole thing and really didn't know if I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I did notice that during his younger years, Paul Nashi reminded me of both Jack Black and John Belushi. <laughs> but I kept hearing that organ music in my head. Yeah. Kind of stuck with you. Huh? It stuck with me, and it was so much like an old serial. Yeah, that's the feeling that music gives to me is like those old serials uh, mm-hmm. from the 1940s, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I watched it again, mm-hmm. and I watched it a third time. Yeah, and I was like, I think I remember hearing about this Paul Nashy guy, and he he played a lot of werewolves. Yeah, yeah. and since I was getting all my Hammer films through mm-hmm. Netflix, mm-hmm. I decided to start writing movies. So I think the next movie I got was Night of the Werewolf. Hmm. Cool. And I was like, wow, this guy's <laughs> In your cool. own your way, yeah. <laughs> man, you know, and it just became this love instantly mm-hmm. with this man and the way that he did things. Mm-hmm. You know, I could tell that a lot of the productions were kind of kind of cheap, but there was something about this guy, no matter what movie he was in, he would carry the movie. Yeah. You know, and... Unfortunately, I didn't find out about him until after he passed away. Mm-hmm. But this is a really good time to be an Ashy fan. It is. It because is. of the internet it. and mm-hmm. because of DVDs and, and all the restorations going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and, I, and I got into the uh, 
Ponash's website, Merrick site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, website. And then from that, I went to the forums. Yeah. And I got yeah. to meet all these people like Elena. And so I got on the uh, the Nashi website one day and it said, hey, there's these guys doing a Nashi cast. <laughs> yeah, hey. And then and and the here we are. And, yeah, and that led you to Nashville, Tennessee. Yep. You know, who knows where we'll lead you from there. Although I would not, <laughs> I would not suggest following, you know, not suggest following Rod not too far. Though. No, like, you know, no. That's a path you don't want to. <laughs> no, seriously, that, that, that's a great, that's a fascinating story. I didn't realize that you had come to him uh, so recently. So this is a, this, you're, you're in a great time because you're, you're just mm-hmm. really discovering all this right yeah. now. But uh, so that leads me to my next question. I would, from what you're telling me, that sounds like, that Nashi was probably your introduction into Euro horror in general, or am I wrong about that? Hey, were you already a Euro cult or Euro horror almost, fan? Or? Almost. Mm-hmm. Um, right about the same time as I was getting into tracking down all Peter Christian's movies, mm-hmm. I came across mm-hmm. The Snake Pit and the Pendulum, which right. is the Christopher Lee movie that, yeah. that I sent you. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was my introduction to Euro horror. Wow. That, that film. But I would say within a month mm-hmm. is when I finally saw Nashi. So pretty close. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I don't know if there's I've ever heard anybody else say that that that, that particularly the pit the pendulum though with Christopher <laughs> Lee that that was that was that was their introduction into that's an interesting way to yeah. to be your first but but uh, that's pretty cool though. That's uh, um, can you uh, you list for us or just tell us some of the favorite some of the stuff you've really enjoyed uh, Euro you were some of your favorite Euro cult movies that you've seen now that you have besides Paul Nashie films that you've been able to check out or I also fell in love with the Templar movies. Mm-hmm. They're just a Templar, yeah. Me. Yeah, Rod loves those. That's for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. and I like them too. I, I, I Rod really is a big fan. I mean, yeah. I really like them too. They're quite good. Yeah. yeah. Now, one thing that that I think is 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 kind of interesting. I was talking to my brother last week, mm-hmm. and he just out of the blue came up and so I was talking to him about certain movies, and he says, "Do you really enjoy getting scared?" And I said, "No, I don't like getting scared at all. Mm-hmm. I have never been to a haunted house, and I probably never will." Mm-hmm. If I did, they'd probably have to take me out in a straight straight jacket because I do not enjoy being scared. Mm -hmm. The the darkness and how it goes along with morality plays and Mm -hmm. allegory and and, and my own Christian beliefs, that's what attracts me to these these kind of horror movies. It's not being scared. If it's a truly terrifying movie, I probably won't. Hmm, interesting. Own it, you know. Mm-hmm, yeah. I might watch it, but I'm not going to own it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fascinating. Did you uh, have you uh, watched any uh, Dario Argento films yet? Have you checked out any of uh, the? I got to see Suspiria, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was so surprised to see Joan Bennett in it. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's it's right. Her, it sure was her was. last film, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, that's <laughs> Elizabeth Collins is in the movie. But yeah, uh, yeah so. I'm not really too much into the slasher movies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I never really liked Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. I always kind of thought, growing up, is I don't know why that they're glorifying this mm-hmm. supposed child molester and mm-hmm. why he's supposed to be. Really, I just never. <clears throat> well, the, the strangest part of that is, do you remember when they put out the Freddy, you know, doll that was like the talking? Uh, and now I'm not talking about the collectible action figures that they do now, but uh, uh, there was a point when uh, they actually marketed a sort of a talking Freddy that was going to be sold in regular toy stores and mm. I think that's when people kind of really sort of drew the line about okay now wait a minute yeah. let's think about this just a minute yeah. <laughs> just a minute so yeah. um, who is the character of Freddy Krueger and why is he appealing to children yeah, that's so, crazy yeah but um, I was going to ask you if uh, you know of course as you said it's a great time to be a Nashi fan and one of the great things about being a Nashi fan at this time has been the last couple of years the, these really great DVDs that have come out uh, unfortunately a lot of those DVDs were put out by companies that have now gone under and so now they're out of print again uh, but uh, they certainly did some wonderful uh, presentations of his films 
So I, I was uh, wanting to ask you uh, if you had one, could pick one Nashi film, Paul Nashi film, that has not seen a domestic release here mm-hmm. that you would love to see, just given a really great DVD uh, representation, uh, what would it be? Well, actually, it uh, would have to be a tie mm-hmm. between Howl of the Devil and uh, Monsters of Terror, Assignment Terror. That's a good choice, yeah. Um, the reason I really want Assignment Terror just personally because... Uh, I went through and learned how to do subtitles just so I could mm-hmm. enjoy that movie because yeah. I, you know, I downloaded the AVI off of the, the internet because that's un- unfortunately that's yeah that's, that's it. the way to get it to really enjoy that movie because it, it's a good print of it. It's the Soma broadcast, the mm-hmm. TV broadcast. But I did learn how to how to do subtitles after seeing it mm-hmm. eight nine times now. Mm-hmm. You, but I, I'm not sick of it. Thanks for listening to the pod, to the podcast. It's been great meeting you through the podcast. It's one of the great things about doing podcasts like yep. this is connecting with the Nashi fans and, 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 and European horror fans and all that. So thanks a lot. No problem. Once again, we'd like to thank Dan for uh, talking to us and letting us mm-hmm. uh, record his voice and use it to our own mm-hmm. evil ends here, That's at the, right. here <laughs> on the Nashi cast. Uh, not that he was worried about it, but mm-hmm. uh, you never can tell. I mean, we've decided to put ourselves out there, but some people are just not that crazy <laughs> we we are but i'd like to take this this reminds me of a couple of things i'd like to mention first of all uh there are a couple of couple of uh, film projects involving paul nashton if you're not already aware one is a documentary that uh just got its first public showing at uh stiges uh the film festival in uh spain uh which we've been looking very much forward to for quite some time it's called the man who saw frankenstein cry and it is a documentary about paul nashi and his film career we we've been able to see the first 5 minutes which has been posted online at the laterna forum i'll post a link i'll put a note in the sh- i'll put a, a link in the show notes so that if you'd like to see the first 5 minutes of the man who saw frankenstein cry you can and i'm telling you if you're a nashi fan it will just do nothing but amp up your enthusiasm to see this thing because in just the first five minutes, there are at least a dozen people that they talk to about Nashi that you'll just your jaw will drop. Well, and I, I think as this thing, as this documentary makes its way, makes its rounds of the film festivals and out into, into DVD and just makes its way around out there, I think it's going to get a lot more people interested in Paul Nashi. I think the title itself will get make people curious. I think a lot of people will go watching it, not really even know anything about him, and I think uh, his 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 legions will grow. I believe. After I this. think you are correct, and. Uh, also, another another film, an actual uh, an actual uh, movie that he made before before he passed, uh, a film called Impusa, which may or may not eventually come out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's there's been all, there's been all this talk in uh, in Spain about it possibly being a cursed film because <laughs> uh, lots lots of things happened to people who were making the film and after the film was made. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, Impusa was to be was to have been co directed by Car- uh, Carlos Allred and Paul Nashi, uh, but apparently there was some kind of falling out and Allred left the project just as they started lensing the movie. So th- that's 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 kind of not nice. And then soon afterwards, Carlos was dead, so Mr. Allred didn't participate and then, and then passed away. And of course now Paul Nashi has passed away. But uh, the film the the film is uh, apparently finally in form to be shown shown publicly, and the, the it does sound very interesting. Uh, I tried not to learn right. too much about it, but it does seem to involve ancient vampires and the uh, the idea that these vampires kind of predate Christianity, meaning that mm. uh, all those nice religious symbols that you use to ward them off don't really have any effect <laughs> on these folks. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. Uh, Nash apparently co-directed and uh, starred in the film as well. 
it's not even listed on his IMDb page. Wow. So there's very little out there right now about yeah. this thing. And I hope that it comes out. Hope that it eventually comes out just so that we can get a look at it. Um, I'd like to point out that uh, where I'm getting this information is from uh, our uh, our Madrid correspondent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elena, uh, straight from her show, her uh, Cult Radio Agogo show, which is on on Saturdays uh, at the website Cult Radio Agogo. Her show is, uh, once again, called Horror Rises from Spain mm-hmm. and is a wonderful little hour-long yeah. uh, show of interviews and music that, uh, if you're a Spanish horror fan in general or a Paul Nashi fan, will will make you happy. Yeah. And I want to thank Elena for uh, um, helping to facilitate the uh, interview with Sergio Molina that we had in our last Nashi cast. We were real happy with that, real proud of that. And uh, Elena was great in putting us in contact with Sergio and helping with translating the questions. Uh, I've, I've told Elena before that she translates English faster than I speak it, uh, which, <laughs> which for a Southern boy doesn't really say much. But anyway. No, uh, no, no. We, we do. We do draw. <laughs> And also, uh, one more person I wanted to thank uh, that I meant to thank in that last show for helping with the interview was our friend Donna, who uh, uh, allowed me to practice. She was my Skype buddy, and uh, she helped me. <laughs> I was going in that interview. I definitely wanted to know the ins and outs of Skype because uh, you want to make sure you know how that works. And so she let me do a little practice interviews with her to get ready for that. So uh, I appreciate that, Donna. Thank you. She has helped us in many ways, and that's just yeah. the latest. She's a sweetie. All right, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, one thing we'd like to do in this .5 episode is something we've never done before, which is um, we'd like to give away a DVD of Werewolf Shadow. Mm -hmm. Uh, The film we're covering for episode number 10 for next month's podcast is Werewolf Shadow. And uh, it's been released in the United States on DVD twice, first by Anchor Bay and second by BCI. Now, um, I have a spare copy of the Anchor Bay Werewolf Shadow DVD that I'm willing to give to some lucky listener. And all you have to do is send us an email at nashicast at gmail.com. And all we want to know in the email is what was the first Paul Nashie film you saw and what made you a fan of his films? Nothing fancy. It can be one single sentence. That's all it has to be. Just send us an email, and I'm going to establish a cutoff date. And the cutoff date past which it will do you no good to send me an email about this question will be the 29th of October. And uh, on the 29th, that Friday, I'll cut it off, and therefore on Saturday I'll know who won. We'll do a mm-hmm. random drawing of all the people who sent in an email. This is not a, uh, a question of us judging what, yeah. you, you know, what your choice is or yeah. laughing at you for what your choice is or just <laughs> whatever in the heck you want to think. It is random essentially, drawing. it's it's a completely random thing. We'll throw all the names in a hat, and I'll draw one out, mm-hmm. and then I'll send this DVD to you. And we realize that the majority of people listening to this probably own this DVD, but, you know, if there's some, if you have a younger sibling or a friend that you're really wanting to turn on to the Nash universe, or heck, if you just have a potential fiancé and you were going to, like, give her an engagement ring, throw that, <laughs> take that back, get your money back, and give her the Nashy DVD instead. There you and, go. And, uh, and it's brilliant. Look. Were, werewolf Shadow, that's the ultimate ultimate gift. It's, yeah. it's, it's, think of it as an anniversary gift. That's right. You could even do that. Mm-hmm. Could save a marriage. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> or, or doom it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, if, uh, when, uh, when you hear this, if you're interested, drop us a note. Tell us what your first Paul Nashy film was, what made you decide that you enjoyed his films enough to actually track some more of them down. And you'll be entered in the drawing. And on the 29th, I'll, uh, that's the cutoff date. I'll uh, randomly draw a name out of the hat, 
and I'll send that DVD off. Hopefully, the very next day. If I'm on the ball, it'll go out. Yeah. <laughs> it'll go out the thirtieth. I hope I'm on the ball. Strange to be giving something away. We haven't done this before. But, I know. Yeah. We can't. We can't establish this as a standard for the best. Say, episodes. I don't know how much this is going to happen, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a, probably be a bad idea to do this every point five episode. But then again, we never know where we're going to do a point five <laughs> episode anyway. So another little extra surprise for the yeah. podcast listener that is out there praying that we don't drop another one before yeah. it's over with. But, those, of you, those of you whose lives have begun to just center around our podcast and then <laughs> to the ex, you know, exclusion of all other cares, uh, we try and keep these things coming with a little bit more frequency. So. Oh, wow. And I hope that there's no one out there just <laughs> waiting for the next one. But anyway, um, I'm waiting for the next one. I'm looking forward to talking about Oh, man. Werewolf Shadow is going to be a blast. I love that movie. Anyway, I guess that's it. All right. Well, then, this is Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you next time when it will be an actual full-length reel episode.